Welcome to Speak of the Devil. My name is Reverend Campbell, and uh, we're going to have some fun with the Tenet Bible. And this should be the end of it, depending on how fast I can read. <laughs> and how long I can read, I guess, is more important. <clears throat> Thank you guys for the chat room. Uh, Dallas, Zachary, Sparkling Shadows, Valeria, how you doing? Thanks for joining me. Uh, and for anyone else who jumps in after the fact, I want to have a little bit of conversation about this. Between. What's up, CN doll? Nadine, how you doing? Uh, let me know your thoughts in the chat so that after each chapter or each section is read, you can have a little bit of a back and forth and talk amongst yourselves as well. It's going to be fun, right? That's what this is all about. Fun. We're going over, uh, Christopher, how you doing, man? Uh, we're going over some greater magic. <laughs> it's I mean, and from here on out, it's nothing but greater magic. So expect a good time. Uh, I, Annie, I'm not back. <laughs> How's it going, Daddy? Uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about the three types of satanic ritual. That's the first uh, section that we're going to be reading. Oh, my God. Zogthorgven. <laughs> How's it going, man? Maximilian, what up? Okay, so we're going to dive in, and you guys just let me know what you think about the three types. Oh, here's a question. What was the last ritual type you performed if you've performed greater magic rituals before? The three types of satanic ritual. There are three types of ceremony incorporated in the practice of satanic magic. Each of these correspond to a basic human emotion. The first of these we shall call a sex ritual. A sex ritual is what is commonly known as a love charm or spell. The purpose is performing such a ritual is to create desire on the part of the person whom you desire, or to summon a sex partner to fulfill your desires. If you have no specific person or type of person in mind, strong enough to cause direct sexual feeling culminating in orgasm, you will not succeed in performing a successful working. The reason for this is that even if the ritual was successful by accident, what good would it serve you uh, if you could not take advantage of your eventual opportunity because of lack of stimulation or desire? It is easy to confuse enchantment for your ulterior motives, with spellcasting to satisfy your sexual desires. Enchantment for self-aggrandizement, when accompanied by ceremonial magic, falls into the category of either the compassion or the destruction ritual, or possibly both. If you want or need something so badly, you are sad or feel much anguish without it, and can obtain it through the use of glamour and enchantment, without causing hurt on another's part then this would incorporate a compassion ritual to increase your power. If you wish to enchant or entrap a deserving victim for your own purposes, you would employ a destruction ritual. These formulas are to be adhered to, as applying to the wrong type of ritual towards a desired result can lead to trouble of a complicated nature. A good example of this is the girl who finds herself plagued by a relentless suitor. If she has done little to encourage him, then she should recognize him for the psychic vampire he is and let him play his masochistic role. If, however, she has enchanted him frivolously, giving him every encouragement and then finds herself a steady object 
of desire, much to her dismay, she has no one to blame but herself. Such exercises are only ego boosts, born of an indoctrination of ego denial, which makes these little bewitchments necessary. The Satanist has enough ego strength to use enchantments for her own sexual gratification, or to gain power or success of a specific nature. The second type of ritual is of a compassionate nature. The compassion or sentiment ritual is performed for the purpose of helping others or helping oneself. Health, domestic happiness, business activities, material success, and scholastic prowess are but a few of the situations covered in a compassion ritual. It might be said that this form of ceremony could fall into the realm of genuine charity, bearing in mind that charity begins at home. The third motivating force is that of destruction. This is a ceremony used for anger, annoyance, disdain, contempt, or just plain hate. It is known as a hex, curse, or destroying agent. One of the greatest of all fallacies about the practice of ritual magic is the notion that one must believe in the powers of magic before one can be harmed or destroyed by them. Nothing could be farther from the truth, as the most receptive victims of curses have always been the greatest scoffers. The reason is frighteningly simple. The uncivilized tribesman is the first to run to his nearest witch doctor or shaman when he feels a curse has been placed upon him by an enemy. The threat and presence of harm is with him consciously, and belief in the power of the curse is so strong that he will take every precaution against it. Thus, through the application of sympathetic magic, he will counteract any harm that may come his way. This man is watching his step and not taking any chances. On the other hand, the enlightened man, who doesn't place any stock in such superstition, relegates his instinctive fear of the curse to his unconscious, thereby nourishing it into a phenomenally destructive force that will multiply with each succeeding misfortune. Of course, every time a new setback occurs, the non-believer will automatically deny any connection with the curse, especially to himself. This emphatic conscious denial of the potential of the curse is the very ingredient that will create its success through setting up of accident-prone situations. In many instances, the victim will deny any magical significance to his fate, even unto his dying gasp. Although the magician is perfectly satisfied, so long as his desired results occur, it must be remembered that it matters not whether anyone attaches any significance to your workings, so long as the results of the workings are in accordance with your will. The super logician will always explain the connection of the magical ritual to the end result as coincidence. Whether magic is performed for constructive or destructive purposes, the success of the operation is dependent on the receptivity of the person who is receiving the blessing or curse, as the case may be. In the case of a sex or compassion ritual, it helps if the recipient has faith and believes in magic, but the victim of a hex or curse is much more prone to destruction if he does not believe in it. So long as man knows the meaning of fear, he will need the ways and means to defend himself against his fears. No one knows everything, 
And as long as there is wonder, there will always be an apprehension of the unknown, where there are potentially dangerous forces. It is this natural fear of the unknown, a first cousin to the fascination towards the unknown, that impels the man of logic towards his very explanations. Obviously, the man of science is motivated to discovery by his very sense of wonder. And yet, how sad that this man who calls himself logical is often the last to recognize the essence of ritual magic. If religious faith and fervor can make bleeding wounds appear on the body in approximation to the wounds supposedly inflicted on Christ, it is called stigmata. These wounds appear as a result of compassion driven to an emotionally violent extreme. Why, then, should there be any doubt as the destructive extremes of fear and terror? The so-called demons have the power to destroy in a flesh-rending manner, theoretically, as much as a handful of nails long rusted away can create blood-dripping ecstasy in a person convinced he is hooked upon the cross of Calvary. Therefore, never attempt to convince the skeptic on whom you wish to place a curse. Allow him to scoff. To enlighten him would lessen your chance of success. Listen with benign assurance as he laughs at your magic, knowing his days are filled with turmoil all the while. If he is despicable enough, by Satan's grace, he might even die laughing. A word of warning to those who would practice these arts concerning sex or lust. Take full advantage of spells and charms that work. If you be a man, plunge your erect member into her with lascivious delight. If you would be a woman, open wide your loins in lewd anticipation. <laughs> concerning compassion, be resolved that you'll have no regrets at the expense of the help that you have given others, should their newfound blessings place an obstacle in your path. Be grateful for things that come to you through the use of magic. Concerning destruction, be certain you do not care if the intended victim lives or dies before you throw your curse, and having caused their destruction, revel rather than feel remorse. Heed well these rules, or in each case, you will see a reversal of your desires, which will harm rather than help you. Pretty bold a statement, I should say. Pretty bold. All right, let's see what we got here. Uh, we have got... Oh, has anyone done any rituals at all? Everyone's just chit-chatting? Do you think it's always easy to determine which ritual to use? Obviously, sometimes motivations are mixed. I suppose that's why they are usually considered basic guidelines. Uh, Yanni, I do think it's pretty, um, pretty cut and dry when you think about it. But I, I did a... Um, um, it was a while ago. I, I had a show with um, Jesse Twain, and we had this conversation. And can't remember what episode it was it was so long ago the essence of it was 
Make sure you're thinking long-term and not short-term when it comes to what you're desiring because you may be focused on a block that's right in front of your face, but the reality of what you want is a few steps away. So just think distance, think long-term, don't think about what's right in front of you because your ultimate goal may be to destroy the person in the cubicle next to you uh, or your, your immediate goal may be to destroy the person in the uh, uh, cubicle next to you because they're annoying the hell out of you. But a potential better way would be to get a raise so you're no longer in the cubicle next to the person annoying you. And so rather than destruction, the long-term goal should be compassion for yourself, the advancement of your career. Thinking in terms like that, where you're not just focused on the here and now, but you're thinking a little bit down the road while being aware of the here and now, I think is really important when it comes to any type of greater magic. Um, how's it going? Hail Satan. <laughs> Dog's my co-pilot. What up? William, how you doing, man? Um, let's see. Do you think it's always... Uh, we already went in that. Last ritual I performed, I believe, was destruction ritual with my girlfriend on Halloween night. Wow. That would be kind of cool. All right. I dig it. Got a bottle of tax-free Jim Beam. Nice, Joaquin. Anything else, people? Uh, you can invent rituals for your needs, as says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a, probably one of the most important things that everyone needs to understand when it comes to greater magic. Personalize, personalize, personalize. Whatever works for you is what you should do. If satanic magic, as outlined in the satanic Bible, does not work for you, experiment. Go outside of those boundaries because every single one of us reacts differently to different stimuli. And whatever is within your personal... That is the um, combination lock principle. It's an essay by the doctor. Um, I believe it was in um, The Devil's Notebook. Read it. It's all about finding what works for you in ritual and being able to find that combination in order to unlock your greater potential in magic and in manipulating the world around you, ultimately. It's a really good essay as well. Um, let's see. All right, well, let's move on. The next one is uh, the ritual or intellectual decompression chamber. Uh, hi, Lauren, how you doing? Ooh, destruction, nice. Voodoo spin. I dig that, man. I like I like me some voodoo. <clears throat> the ritual or intellectual decompression chamber. A magical ceremony may be performed by oneself or in a group, but the advantages of each should be made clear. A group ritual is certainly much more of a reinforcement of faith and an installation of power than is a private ceremony. The massing together of persons who are dedicated to a common philosophy is bound to ensure a renewal of confidence in the power of magic. The pageantry of religion is what has sustained it. When religion consistently becomes a solitary situation, it reaches into the realm of self-denial, which runs concurrent with antisocial behavior. It is for this reason that the Satanist should attempt to seek out others with whom to engage in these ceremonies. In the case of a curse or destruction ritual, it sometimes helps the magician if he desires, as his desires are intensified by other members of the group. 
There is nothing in this type of ceremony which would lead to embarrassment on the part of those conducting a ritual of this sort, since anger and the symbolic destruction of the intended victim are the essential ingredients. On the other hand, a compassion ritual, with its unashamed shedding of tears, or a sex ritual, with its masturbatory and orgasmic overtones, would most likely succeed best if privately performed. There is no place for self-consciousness in the ritual chamber, unless that very self-consciousness is an integral part of the role being played and can be used to good advantage, i.e., the shame felt by a prudent woman serving as an altar who, through her embarrassment, feels sexual stimulation. Even in a totally personalized ritual, however, the standardized preliminary invocations and devices should be employed before the intimate fantasies and acting out occur. The formal part of the ritual can be performed in the same room or chamber as the personalized workings, or the formal ceremony in one place, the personal in another. The beginning and end of the ritual must be conducted within the confines of the ritual chamber containing the symbolic devices, altar, chalice, etc. The formalized beginning and end of the ceremony acts as a dogmatic anti-intellectual device, the purpose of which is to disassociate the activities and frame of reference from the outside world from that of the ritual chamber, where the whole will, the whole will must be employed. This facet of the ceremony is most important to the intellectual, as he especially requires the decompression chamber effects of the chants, bells, candles, and other trappings before he can put his pure and willful desires to work for himself in the projection and utilization of his imagery. The intellectual decompression chamber of the satanic temple might be considered a training school for temporary ignorance, as are all religious services. The difference is that the Satanist knows he is practicing a form of contrived ignorance in order to expand his will, whereas another religionist doesn't, or if he does know, he practices that form of self-defeat uh, deceit which forbids such recognition. His ego is already too shaky from his religious inculcation to allow himself to admit to such a thing as self-imposed ignorance. Um, I, I like that idea of the uh, necessity of the ritual chamber and whether or not it's... I've never even considered the idea um, outside of reading that uh, chapter on whether being outside of uh, the ritual chamber would even be considered. I've always thought within the confines of the chamber itself, wherever that may be. And I think a lot of people get... Um, perhaps intimidated with the idea of it needing to be in a chamber. I mean, it could be your closet that you just open up and put something on a rack, a sigil of Baphomet picture that you hand drew, whatever it is that you need. The chamber could be anything. It could be your bathroom. It could be a closet. It could be your bedroom, a study. It could be, uh, it could be outside. Now, that could be more challenging if you're going to use any implements. But much as with the essay of how to become a werewolf, the idea of going to a location which inspires specific emotions out of you, that could really, really help you in your, um, your enactment of this ritual. I mean, in, in your desires being generated.
have any of you ritualized in the outside? Now, my first destruction ritual was actually outside, and it was an impromptu thing, but it was very potent. So let me know if you guys have, what was it like for you? I'm, I'm curious. Uh, thank you, Zotha, or Zogz. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, what's up, Alder? Uh, what? I've had wine during ritual and after and before. I wasn't drunk, but you can have some alcohol. Christ, but is this Catholicism? They even have alcohol in Catholicism. Um, no, inside the ritual chamber. I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to find where that comment is coming from. But there's a chalice <laughs> for a reason. And I don't know anyone that doesn't have something alcoholic in that chalice because that's what is going to... For, for the people I've ritualized with, I should say, we enjoy the fermented spirits. You know, we enjoy that flavor or that kick or that bite on the tongue or throat that alcohol brings. And so it's really nice. And I don't know anyone who doesn't drink after a ritual because you're basically on a high, hanging out with your friends or by yourself, basking in the energy. And here's something that I, I'm probably going to get some shit for this. I've spoken to it privately about a, to a couple of people about, but I very much look upon, um, and this just helps me mentally, um, and I don't try to rationalize it, which I think is important for greater magic. Uh, the act of performing a ritual, it, for me, is very much opening the doorway, the gateway to whatever you want to call it. Uh, I like to imagine it the gateway to hell. Um, and so I'm opening the gates of hell and I'm welcoming my brothers and sisters out, the devils and the demons that dwell within. And I'm commanding them to enact my will. That gate doesn't close easily. It doesn't close immediately. And so what I really love doing is after you've performed the ritual, after you've done all of the steps, steps said, so it is done, and you've walked away, I like to return and I like to bask in the reverberation. I don't even know how to describe it. Um, when you drop a pebble into water, waves reverberate. Eventually, it, it's going to come in contact with something else, a boundary of some sorts, and it's going to reverberate back. That's what I feel when I go into a ritual chamber uh, after I've conducted the ritual. It's the reverberation back. It's the echo of the ritual itself. And for whatever reason, man, it, it, it's turned into almost a fetish. I just, I love the feeling of it. And you can stare at the sigil of Baphomet and and again, this is just my experience. And you can feel a presence within. And I dig that a lot. So I don't know. Do you guys have that same experience? Have you ever thought of it like that before? Let me know. Um, you don't have to be 100% sober, but you can't be messed up if you're performing a ritual. The point is for you to have your focus. Drugs and alcohol typically take focus out of your head. You become fuzzy or just calm and you're not there. It is essential in a ritual to be present and have all of your faculties about you. So I don't know for, for anyone else. I mean, for me, it, it absolutely is. Um, but again, during the ritual, you have a sip after the ritual, you have a sip. Do what you got to do. Have some fun. Um, Dust tear drama. Oh, really? 
Well, that'd be a cool deal. Uh, outdoor rituals are your favorite part, but total environments can be harder to create there. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, you feel light as a feather after a ritual, Dallas. Yeah, you just get excited about what just happened, you know? You're feeling the energy, the adrenal, <laughs> the adrenal energy. Um, it's pretty potent. That's absolutely right, Lauren, 100%. All right, let's get back into this. The ingredients used in the performance of satanic magic. A. Desire. The first ingredient in the performance of a ritual is desire, otherwise known as motivation, temptation, or emotional persuasion. If you do not truly desire any end result, you should not attempt to perform a working. There is no such thing as a practice working, and the only way that a magician can do tricks, such as moving inanimate objects, would be to have a strong emotional need to do so. It is the true that it is true that if the magician wishes to gain power through impressing others with his feats of magic, he must produce tangible proof of his ability. The satanic concept of magic, however, fails to find gratification in the proving of magical prowess. The Satanist performs his ritual to ensure the outcome of his desires, and he would not waste his time nor force of will on something so inconclusive as rolling a pencil off a table, etc., through the application of magic. The amount of energy needed to levitate a teacup genuinely would be of sufficient force to place an idea in a group of people's heads halfway across the earth in turn, motivating them in accordance with your will. The Satanist knows that even if you succeed in lifting the teacup from the table, it would be assumed that trickery was used anyway. Therefore, if the Satanist wants to float objects in midair, he uses wires, mirrors, or other devices, and saves his force for self-aggrandizement. All gifted Mediums and white light mystics practice pure and applied stage magic with their blindfolds and sealed envelopes. And any fairly competent stage magician, carnival worker, or lodge hall entertainer can duplicate the same effect, although lacking, perhaps, the sanctimonious spiritual overtones. A little child learns that if he wishes for something hard enough, it will come true. This is meaningful. Wishing indicates desire whereas prayer is accompanied by apprehension. Scripture has twisted desire into lust, covetousness, and greed. Be a child and do not stifle desire, lest you lose touch with the first ingredient in the performance of magic. Be led into temptation and take that which tempts whenever you can. B. Timing. In every successful situation, one of the most important ingredients is the proper timing. In the performance of a magical ritual, timing can mean success or failure to an even greater extent. The best time to cast your spell or charm, hex or curse, is when your target is at his most receptive state. Receptivity to the will of the magician is assured when the recipient is as passive as possible. No matter how strong-willed one is, he's naturally passive while he is asleep. Therefore, the best time to throw your magical energy towards your target is when he or she sleeps. There are certain periods of the sleep cycle that are better than others for susceptibility to outside influences. When a person is normally fatigued from a day's activities, 
He will sleep like a log until his mind and body are rested. This period of profound sleep usually lasts about four to six hours, after which the period of dream sleep occurs, which lasts two or three hours or until wakening. It is during this dream sleep that the mind is most receptive to outside or unconscious influence. Let us assume the magician wishes to cast a spell on a person who would usually retire at 11 o'clock in the evening and rise at 7 o'clock in the morning. The most effective time to perform a ritual would be at 5 o'clock in the morning or two hours before the recipient awakes. It is to be emphasized that the magician must be at his peak of efficiency as he represents the sending factor when he performs his ritual. Traditionally speaking, witches and sorcerers are night people and understandably so. What better schedule on which to live for the sending of thoughts towards unsuspecting sleepers? If only people were aware of the thoughts injected into their minds while they slept. The dream state is the birthplace of much of the future. Great thoughts are manifested upon awakening, and the mind that retains in the conscious form these thoughts shall produce much. But he who is guided by thoughts unrecognized is led into situations that will later be interpreted as fate, God's will, or accident. There are other times in each person's day that lend themselves to the receiving of the will of the wizard, those times when daydreaming or boredom ensue, or when time hangs heavy, are fertile periods of suggestibility. If a woman is the target of your spell, do not forget the importance of the menstrual cycle. If man were not dulled through his stifling evolutionary development, he would know, as an all-fours animal knows, when the female was most sexually inclined. Man's snout, however unsullied by cheap opiates, is not normally equipped to ferret out such telltale erotic scents. Even if he were so endowed with such olfactory powers, the object of his quest would most likely throw him off the scent. Through the use of massive doses of perfumery to cover and smother the offending effluvium, or eliminate detection completely by the astringent action of powerful deodorants. Despite these discouraging factors, man is still motivated to desire or be repelled, as the case may be, by his unconscious recognition of the change in woman's body chemistry. This is accomplished in the form of a sensory cue, which is olfactory in nature. To go backwards, in what would amount to a return to the all-fours animal, would seem to be the best exercise for the conscious application of these powers. But to the squeamish might smack of lycanthropy. There is, however, an easier way, and that is to simply ascertain the dates and the frequency of the menstrual cycle of the woman who is your target. It is immediately before and after the period itself that the average woman is most sexually approachable. Therefore, the magician will find the sleep period during these times most effective for the installation of thoughts or motivations of sexual nature. Witches and sorcerers have a much greater range of time in which to cast their spells toward the men of their choice, because man is more consistent in his sexual drives than women, although there are many women with equal or even greater lusts. Day-to-day -day timing is not as important. Any man who is not already drained of all sexual energy is a sitting duck for the proficient witch. 
The time of the year following the spring equinox is the most fraught with sexual vigor in a man, and he asserts himself accordingly. But the witch, in turn, must work her magic stronger, and she will find his eye will stray. Should the fearful ask, is there no defense against such witchery? It must be answered thus. Yes, there is protection. You must never sleep, never daydream, never be without a vital thought, and never have an open mind. Then you shall be protected from the forces of magic. C. Imagery. The adolescent boy who takes great care in carving on a tree, a heart containing his and his love's object's initials, the little chap who sits by the hour drawing his conception of sleek automobiles, the tiny girl who rocks a scuffed and ragged doll in her arms and thinks of it as her beautiful little baby. These capable witches and warlocks, these natural magicians, are employing the magical ingredient known as imagery. And the success of any ritual depends on it. Children, not knowing nor caring if they possess artistic skill or other creative talents, pursue their goals through the use of imagery of their own manufacture, whereas civilized adults are much more critical of their own creative efforts. This is why a primitive magician can utilize a mud doll or crude drawing to successful advantage in his magical ceremonies. To him, the image is as accurate as needs be. Anything which serves to intensify the emotions during a ritual will contribute to its success. Any drawing, painting, sculpture, writing, photographed article of clothing, sense, sound, music, tableau, or contrived situation that can be incorporated into the ceremony will serve, serve the sorcerer well. Imagery is a constant reminder, an intellectual saving device, a working substitute for the real thing. Imagery can be manipulated, set up, modified and creating all according to the will of the magician and the very blueprint that is created by imagery becomes the formula which leads to reality. If you wish to enjoy sexual pleasures with the one of your choice, you must create the situation your desire on paper, canvas, by the written word, etc. in an overstated, in as overstated a way as possible as an integral part of the ceremony. If you have material desires, you must gaze upon images of them, surround yourself with the smells and sounds conductive to them, create a lodestone which will attract the situation or thing that you wish. To ensure the destruction of an enemy, you must destroy them by proxy. They must be shot, stabbed, sickened, burned, smashed, drowned, or rent in the most vividly convincing manner. It is easy to see why the religions of the right-hand path frown upon the creation of graven images. The imagery used by the sorcerer is a working mechanism for material reality, which is totally opposed to esoteric spirituality. A Greek gentleman of magical persuasion once wanted a woman who would satisfy his every desire, and so obsessed with the unfound object of his dreams was he, that he went about constructing such a wonderful creature. His work completed, he fell so convincingly and irrevocably in love with the woman he had created that she was no longer stone, but mortal, flesh, 
and alive and warm. And so the Magus Pygmalion received the greatest of magical benedictions, and the beautiful Galatea was his. D. Direction. One of the most overlooked ingredients in the workings of magic is the accumulation and subsequent direction of force toward an effective end. Altogether, too many would-be witches and warlocks will perform a ritual and then go about with tremendous anxiety, waiting for the first sign of a successful working. For all intents and purposes, they might as well get down on their knees and pray. For their very anxiety and waiting for the desired result only nullifies any real chance of success. Furthermore, with this attitude, it is doubtful that enough concentrated energy to even perform a proper ceremony could be stored up in the first place. To dwell upon or constantly complain about the situation upon which your ritual would be based only guarantees the weakening of what should be ritualistically directed force by spreading it thin and diluting it. Once the desire has been established strongly enough to employ the forces of magic, then every attempt must be made to symbolically give vent to these wishes in the performance of the ritual, not before or after. The purpose of the ritual is to free the magician from thoughts that would consume him were he to dwell upon them constantly. Contemplation, daydreaming, and constant scheming burns up emotional energy that could be gathered together in a dynamically usable force, not to mention the fact that the normal productivity is severely depleted by such consuming anxiety. The witch who casts her spells between long waits by telephone, anticipating her would-be lover's call. The destitute warlock who invokes Satan's blessing, then waits on pins and needles for the check to arrive. The man, saddened by the injustices wrought upon him, who, having cursed his enemy, plods his way long of face and furrowed of brow. All are common examples of misdirected emotional energy. Small wonder that the white magician fears retribution after casting an evil spell. Retribution to the guilt-ridden sender would be assured by their very conscious stricken state. E. The Balance Factor The balance factor is an ingredient employed in the practice of ritual magic which applies to the casting of lust and compassion rituals more than in the throwing of a curse. This ingredient is a small but extremely important one. A complete knowledge and awareness of this factor is an ability few witches and warlocks ever attain. This is, simply, knowing the proper type of individual and situation to work your magic on for the easiest and best result. Knowing one's own limitations is a rather odd bit of introspection, it would seem, for a person who should be able to perform the impossible, but under many conditions, it can make the difference between success and failure. If, in attempting to attain your goal through either greater or lesser magic, you find yourself failing consistently, think about these things. Have you been the victim of a misdirected, overblown ego which has caused you to want something or someone when the chances are virtually non-existent. 
Are you a talentless, tone-deaf individual who is attempting, through magic, to receive great acclaim for your unmusical voice? Are you a plain, glamorless witch with oversized feet, nose, and ego, combined with an advanced case of acne who is casting love spells to catch a handsome young movie star? Are you a gross, lumpy, lewd-mouthed, snaggled-toothed loafer who is desirous of a luscious young stripper? If so, you'd better learn to use the balance factor, or else expect to fail consistently. To be able to adjust one's wants to one's capabilities is a great talent, and to many people fail to realize that if they are unable to attain the maximum, a half a loaf can be better than none. The chronic loser is always the man who, having nothing, if unable to make a million dollars, will reject any chance to make 50,000 with a disgruntled sneer. One of the magician's greatest weapons is knowing himself. His talents, abilities, physical attractions and detractions, etc., and when, where, and with whom to utilize them. The man with nothing to offer who approaches the man who is successful with grandiose advice and promise of great wealth, has the alacrity of the flea climbing up the elephant's leg with the intention of rape. The aspiring witch who deludes herself into thinking a powerful enough working will always succeed, despite a magical imbalance, is forgetting one essential rule. Magic is like nature itself, and success in magic requires working in harmony with nature, not against it. Hell yeah! Alright. Alright, I dig it. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, there's, there are many ways, there are many, <laughs> there are many things under the sun. There are many different ways to interpret greater magic to the individual. Again, because we are individuals, we see things through our own lenses. And greater magic is one of those ideas that there is no solid answer. Because even our own capacities are determined by our genetics, by our predisposition to uh, chemical imbalance. Our, our natural behaviors enable or restrict us. And so the ideas of magic naturally would vary from person to person. Some people don't take any stock in greater magic at all and will never perform it outside of purely ceremonial um, situations. Uh, those who do perform greater magic rituals with the intent of the psychodrama, with the intent of the direction of energy, with the intent of clarity of mind on the other side of the ritual, may find success from time to time, or every time, or never. But you should never dwell on it, and I like that idea. I like it a lot. Um, there are some ideas early on in this chapter where he's talking about moving objects. I am not a Satanist that believes in telepathy. I don't. I've never seen evidence of it. I'm open to the possibility, but I've never seen it. I just, I don't believe in it. And I definitely don't believe in witches and warlocks who claim to be able to do things with their minds uh, because of the power that they inherently have or whatever. I have watched Reverend Cardone bend utensils with his magic. But 
That's stage magic. Not the same thing. He's very fucking good, too, if you ever get a chance to see him. Um, and so, uh, I don't... Telepathy or telekinesis, I'm not a... I don't buy it. I'm open to it. I don't buy it. And so, seeing it in this, I think it almost actually, for someone like me, is more of a deterrent than an encouragement. Because you have the doctor talking about, well, we could do it, but it would take so much energy, so we're not even going to try, because that's not what we'd be like. When then, you know, later on, he's like, well, you know, not everyone can do everything because of individual abilities. That's sort of setting you up to use an excuse of, well, no one can do it, and it's all made up, and the fact that you bring it up is going to actually serve as a deterrent for what you're talking about in the first place. And I think a lot of people see that. Um, I'm one that looks past it and can recognize the fun of greater magic for what it is and the successes I've had, I'm very proud of. Um, but my life is not, <laughs> the truth is out there. I want to believe, Sean. I want to believe. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that. Anyway. Oh, so Lilith, you're pretty convinced of telepathy because I believe animals use it. See, and I, is it telepathy or is it olfactory? Is it senses? Is it... Um, releasing pheromones due to their own emotional states and that's being picked up on. I think there's a lot of ways that we could consider stuff like that, uh, which I think is exciting. And, and here's the other thing. I think um, as individual human beings, we should always remember. And I think essentially as Satanists who practice lesser magic must understand uh, because you think some way does not mean everyone else has to think that same way. You understand on your terms and allow others the same opportunity to understand on theirs. It doesn't make them worse than you, and it doesn't make you better than them. It just means you're different. And guess what? We celebrate that. So why not celebrate that? Oh, that's actually a really good point. <laughs> that is pretty freaky. Uh, the hundred birds moving as one. That's a really freaky thing. Um, okay, so what else? This, the balance factor, is one mistake that I think is made most often. Dog, I think you're right. 100%. People with an overblown ego think they can do whatever they want. And the reality is their talent does not live up to their sense of self. Traditionally, unfound sense of self. I love ghosts, but they... What? Say Satan a lot and that scares people out of the... Asking me for rise. I don't know what that means. I think you're talking about the band? Uh, what else? Uh, Night on Bluff Mountain is awesome. Thunderstorm Sounds is great. Satanic Witch is the book of study your desire. The Satanic Warlock is more simplified for masculine tendencies. Uh, I would always start with uh, Satanic Witch, no matter what, period. All right. All right, so there's just so much going on. I'm just going to continue. What do you think? The satanic ritual, everyone. We're getting into it now. If you've never performed a satanic ritual, I, I just feel like you're missing out. It's a lot of fun. It's great. Ugh. Especially if you're like me and you just love the idea of the occult and people standing in robes and chanting and fire and flesh. and ugh. It's great. It's just great. A. Notes which are to be observed before beginning ritual. 1. Person performing ritual stands facing the altar and symbol of Baphomet through ritual, except when other positions are specifically indicated. 2. 
If possible, altar should be against west wall. 3. In rituals performed by a person, the role of priest is not required. When more than one person is involved in the ceremony, one of them must act as priest. In a private ritual, the sole performer follows the instructions for the priest. 4. Whenever the words Shem Ham Farash and Hail Satan are spoken by the person's acting as priest, the other participants will repeat the words after him. The gong is struck following the other participants' response to hail Satan. 5. Conversing, except within the context of the ceremony, and smoking are prohibited after the bell is rung at the beginning until after it is again rung at the end of the ritual. 6. The Book of Belial contains the principles of satanic magic and ritual. Before attempting the ritual in the Book of Leviathan, it is imperative that you read and understand the complete Book of Belial. Until you have done so, no degree of success can be expected from the 13 steps which follow. B. The 13 Steps See Devices Used in a Satanic Ritual on pages 134 through 140 for detailed instructions. 1. Dress for Ritual 2. Assemble devices for ritual, light candles and shut out all outside light sources, place parchments to right and left of the altar as indicated. 3. If a woman is used as the altar, she now takes her position, head pointing south, feet pointing north. 4. Purification of the air by ringing of the bell. 5. Invocation to Satan and infernal names which follow, see Book of Leviathan, are now read aloud by priest. Participants will repeat each infernal name after it has been said by the priest. 6. Drink from chalice. 7. Turning counterclockwise, the priest points with the sword to each cardinal point of the compass and calls forth the respective princes of hell, Satan from the south, Lucifer from the east, Belial from the north, and Leviathan from the west. 8. Perform benediction with the phallus, if one is used. 9. Priest reads aloud appropriate invocation for respective ceremony, lust, compassion, or destruction. See Book of Leviathan. 10. In the case of a personalized ritual, this step is extremely important. Solitude is compatible with the expressing of the most secret desires, and no attempt to hold back should be made in the acting out, verbalizing, or casting of images pertaining to your desires. It is at this step that your blueprint is drawn, wrapped, and sent off to the recipient of your working. A. To summon one for lustful purpose or establish a sexually gratifying situation. Leave the area of the altar and remove yourself to that place, either in the same room or without, that will be most conductive to the working of the respective ritual. Then, fashion whatever imagery you possibly can that will parallel in an exact a way possible the situation towards which you strive. Remember, you have five senses to utilize, so do not feel you must limit your imaginary, your imagery to one. Here are devices that may be employed, either alone or in any combination. A. Graphic imagery such as drawings, paintings, etc. B. Written imagery such as stories, plays, descriptions or desires and eventual outcomes of same. C. Acting out the desire in tableau or playlet, 
either as yourself or portraying the role of the object of your desire, transference, using any devices necessary to intensify imagery. D. Any odors relative to the desired person or situation. E. Any sounds or background noises conductive to strong image. Intense sexual feeling should accompany this step of the ritual, and after sufficient imagery is obtained, as strong an orgasm as is possible should serve as climax to this step. This climax should be attained using any masturbatory or autoerotic means necessary. After orgasm is obtained, return to the location of the altar and proceed with step number 11, page 134. B to ensure help or success for one who has your sympathy or compassion, including yourself. Remain in close proximity of the altar and with as vivid a mental image as possible of the person you wish to help or intense self-pity. State your desire in your own terms. Should your emotions be genuine enough, they will be accompanied by the shedding of tears, which should be allowed to flow without restraint, after this exercise and sentiment is completed, proceed to step number 11, page 134. C. To cause the destruction of an enemy. Remain in the area of the altar unless imagery is more easily obtained in another spot, such as the vicinity of the victim. Producing the image of the victim, proceed to inflict the destruction upon the effigy in the manner of your choice. This can be done in the following of ways. A. The sticking of pins or nails into a doll representing your victim. The doll may be cloth, wax, wood, vegetable matter, etc. B. The creation of graphic imagery depicting the method of your victim's destruction, drawings, paintings, etc. C. The creation of a vivid literary description of your victim's ultimate end. D. A detailed soliloquy directed at the intended victim describing his torments and annihilation. E. Mutilation, injury, infliction of pain or illness by proxy using any other means or devices desired. Intense, calculated hatred and disdain should accompany this step of the ceremony, and no attempt should be made to stop this step until the expended energy results in a state of relative exhaustion on the part of the magician. When this exhaustion ensues, proceed to step number 11. 11. A. If requests are written, they are now read aloud by the priest and then burned in the flames of the appropriate candle. Shemham Farash and Hail Satan is said after each request. 11. B. If requests are given verbally, participants, one at a time, now tell them to the priest. He then repeats in his own words those which are most emotionally stimulating to him. The request, Shemham Farash and Hail Satan, is said after each request. 12. Appropriate Enochian key is now read by the priest as evidence of the participant's allegiance to the powers of darkness. 13. Ringing of the bell as pollutionary, and then the words, so it is done, are spoken by the priest. End of ritual. C. Devices used in a satanic ritual. Clothing. Black robes are worn by the male participants, the robes may be cowled or hooded, and if desired, may cover the face. The purpose in covering the face is to allow the participant freedom to express emotion in the face without concern. It also lessens distraction on the part of one participant towards another. Female participants wear garments which are sexually suggestive or all black clothing for older women. 
Amulets bearing the sigil of Baphomet or the traditional pentagram of Satan are worn by all participants. Robes are donned by men before entering the ritual chamber and are worn throughout the ritual. Men may substitute all black clothing for black robes. Black is chosen for the attire in the ritual chamber because it is symbolic of the powers of darkness. Sexually appealing clothing is worn by women for the purpose of stimulating the emotions of the male participants and thereby intensifying the outpouring of adrenal or bioelectrical energy which will ensure a more powerful working. Altar. Man's earliest altars were living flesh and blood, and man's natural instincts and predilections were the foundation on which his religions were based. Later religions, in, man, in making man's natural inclinations sinful, perverted his living altars into slabs of stone and lumps of metal. Satanism is a religion of the flesh rather than that of the spirit. Therefore, an altar of flesh is used in satanic ceremonies. The purpose of an altar is to serve as a focal point towards which all attention is focused during a ceremony. A nude woman is used as the altar in satanic rituals because woman is the natural passive receptor and represents the earth mother. In some rituals, nudity for the woman serving as altar may be impractical, so she may be clothed or partially covered. If a female is performing the ritual alone, no woman need be used for the altar. If no female is used for the altar, the elevated plane used for her to lie upon may be used to hold other devices for the ritual. For large group rituals, a trapezoidal altar about three to four feet high and five and a half to six feet long can be spatially constructed for the woman to lie upon. If this is impractical or in private ceremonies, any elevated plane may be used. If a woman is used for the altar, the other devices may be placed upon a table within easy reach for the priest. Symbol of Baphomet. The symbol of Baphomet was used by the Knights Templar to represent Satan. Through the ages, this symbol has been called by many different names. Among these are the Goat of Mendez, the Goat of a Thousand Young, the Black Goat, the Judas Goat, and perhaps most appropriately, the Scapegoat. Baphomet represents the powers of darkness combined with the generative fertility of the goat, in its pure form, the pentagram is shown encompassing the figure of a man in the five points of the star, three points up, two points down, this symbolizing man's spiritual nature. In Satanism, the pentagram is also used, but since Satanism represents the carnal instincts of man, or the opposite of the spiritual nature, the pentagram is inverted to perfectly accommodate the head of the goat, its horns representing the duality thrust upwards in defiance, the other three points inverted, or the trinity denied. The Hebraic figures around the outer circle of the symbol which stem from the magical teachings of the Kabbalah spell out Leviathan, the serpent of the watery abyss, and identified with Satan. These figures correspond to the five points of the inverted star. The symbol of Baphomet is placed on the wall above the altar. Candles the candles used in satanic ritual represent the light of Lucifer, the bearer of light, enlightenment, the living flame, burning desire, and the flames of the pit. Only black and white candles are to be used in satanic ritual. Never use more than one white candle, but as many black candles as are required to illuminate the ritual chamber may be used. At least one black candle is placed to the left of the altar, representing the powers of darkness 
and the left-hand path. Other black candles are placed where needed for illumination. One white candle is placed on the right of the altar, representing the hypocrisy of white light magicians and the followers of the right-hand path. No other light source is to be used. Black candles are used for power and success for the participants of the ritual and are used to consume the parchments on which blessings requested by the ritual participants are written. The white candle is used for destruction of enemies. Parchments upon which curses are written are burned in the flame of the white candle. Bell. The shattering effect of the bell is used to mark both the beginning and the end of the ritual. The priest rings the bell nine times, turning counterclockwise and directing the tolling towards the four cardinal points of the compass. This is done once at the beginning of the ritual to clear and purify the air of all external sounds, and once again at the end of the ritual to intensify the working and act as a pollutionary indicating finality. The tonal quality of the bell used should be loud and penetrating rather than soft and tinkling. Chalice. In satanic ritual, the chalice or goblet used represents the chalice of ecstasy. Ideally, the chalice should be made of silver, but if a silver chalice cannot be obtained, one made from another metal, glass or crockery may be used. Anything but gold. Gold has always been associated with white light religions and the heavenly realm. The chalice is to be drunk from first by the priest, then by one assistant. In private ritual, the person performing the ceremony drains the chalice. Elixir. The stimulating fluid or elixir of life used by the pagans has been corrupted into sacramental wine by the Christian faith. Originally, the liquor used in pagan rituals was drunk to relax and intensify the emotions of those involved in the ceremony. Satanism does not sacrifice its god, as do other religions. The Satanist practice no such form of symbolic cannibalism and returns the sacramental wine used by the Christians to its original purpose, that of stimulating the emotions necessary to satanic ritual. Wine itself need not be used. Whatever drink is most stimulating and pleasing to the palate is in order. The elixir of life is to be drunk from the chalice of ecstasy, as indicated above, immediately following the invocation to Satan. Sword. The sword of power is symbolic of aggressive force and acts as an extension and intensifier of the arm with which the priest uses to gesture and point. A parallel to this is the pointing stick or blasting wand used in other forms of magical ritual. The sword is held by the priest and is used to point towards a symbol of Baphomet during the invocation to Satan. It is also used as indicated in steps of ritual when calling forth the four princes of hell. The priest thrusts the point of the sword through the parchment containing the message or request after it has been read aloud. It is then used to hold the parchment while introduced into the candle flame. While hearing the requests of other participants and while repeating same, the priest places the sword atop their heads in traditional knighting fashion. For private rituals, if a sword cannot be obtained, a long knife, cane, or similar staff may be used. Phallus The phallus is a pagan fertility symbol which represents generation, virility, and aggression. 
This is yet another device which has been blasphemously converted to fit the guilt-ridden ceremonies of Christianity. The phallus is a non-hypocritical version of the aspergillum, or holy water sprinkler, used in Catholicism, quite a metamorphosis of the common penis. The phallus is held in both hands of one of the priest's assistants and method method methodically shaken twice towards each cardinal point of the compass for the benediction of the house. Any phallic symbol may be used. If none is obtainable, one must be made from plaster, wood, clay, wax, etc. The phallus is necessary only in organized group rituals. Gong. The gong is used to call upon the forces of darkness. It is to be struck once after the participants have repeated the priest's words, Hail Satan! A gong is necessary only in organized group rituals. For the best tonal quality, a concert gong is preferred, but if one cannot be obtained, any gong with a full, rich tone may be used. Parchment. Parchment is used because its organic properties are compatible with the elements of nature. In keeping with the satanic views on sacrifice, the parchment used would be made from the skin of sheep, which was, by necessity, killed for food. An animal is never slaughtered for the purpose of using all or a part of that animal in a satanic ritual. If commercial parchment, which has been made from already slaughtered sheep, cannot be obtained, plain paper may be substituted. The parchment is the means by which the written message or request can be consumed by the candle flame and sent out into the ether. The request is written on parchment or paper, read aloud by the priest, and then burned in the flame of either the black or white candle, whichever is appropriate for the particular request. Before the ritual begins, curses are placed to the right of the priest, and charms or blessings are placed to the left of him. That was a lot. <clears throat> Okay, what are we talking about in there? If you shake it more than twice, you're playing with it. Uh, too many incidents of telepathy, SB in everyday life, not to be pretty sure it's a thing. Unreliable, uncarnable thing, but a thing. Um, telepathy and ESP, Rev. I've seen many instances of ESP myself where I participated, and yes, it was cold reading. All right, I dig all that, guys. Um, can I ask you guys, paper. I'm a big fan of magical paper, like the stuff that ignites and then just leaves no trace at all, no ashes or anything. I dig that a lot, and I think it adds a little bit of flamboyance to the ritual. Have you guys ever used it? Am I the only one that's obsessed with this? Um, okay, so you guys are talking about Rupert Sheldrake. I think I've had a conversation with um, uh, Magister Nemo about him. Oh, man, you guys are really getting into it. I dig it. Never heard of As Above, So Below horror film. I don't think I'm familiar with that one either. Um, all right, so what is your favorite? The Maestro Loves Flash Paper. Yeah, it's great. I just love it. Um, what's your favorite implement in the ritual chamber? Like, if you could only have one in there, is it the sigil of Baphomet? Is it a chalice? Is it a sword? Like, what is your one that you would always have? Because you can always make up almost all of them in a pinch in some form or another. What is the one that you just think for you is really important? I think mine, um, I think mine has to be my Scottish Claymore. I, I love that thing. It is like the great, and I can't, 
I can't fake a claymore, you know? My penis definitely isn't big enough. <laughs> and I don't have any other implements that are really like impressive enough to, to fake the sword. Um, there was one thing in here that I've never, I've read it, I've thought about it, and then I just let it go across my mind. Everyone in every group ritual I've ever been in has been in a black robe. I have never attended a ritual where female participants are dressed in black sexy attire. They're always in robes. Have you guys? Am I the only one that's missing out here? Like that sounds incredible, but I've never, never seen it. Am I missing out? I feel like I'm missing out. I'm not invited to these cool parties where all the women are dressed sexy and not in robes. <laughs> you love the bell? Yeah, there's some great ones. I got a Tibetan one that is just, ooh, it's great. Oh, an evening gown would be nice. Wow. Candles. Okay, well, yeah, you have to have light. That's for sure. I love that he's like, uh, one white candle, as many black candles as you need, because you will need a whole lot of black candles. <laughs> Trying to read this in light for me with my eyesight is very challenging. Reading it in the dark? <laughs> no, not gonna happen. Give me some candles, people. Come on, <laughs> you need that stuff. Uh, all right, how about we go on? We are it, we're here, this is it. Water, the book of Leviathan, the raging sea. This is down to brass tacks, people. From here on, you're going to be hearing me saying very obscure words in my best, trying to keep up with syllables without being able to buy vowels in some cases. It may sound strange, but I'm going to fight through it, and I'm going to try to give you guys as best an interpretation of Enochian as I possibly can. I'm glad I can't hear you laugh. <laughs> it's going to be in a minute. Oh. Despite all non-verbalists' protests to the contrary, soaring heights of emotional ecstasy or raging pangs of anguish can be obtained through verbal communication. If the ma magical ceremony is to employ all sensory awareness, then the proper sounds must be invoked. It is certainly true that actions speak louder than words, but words become as monuments to thoughts. Perhaps the most noticeable shortcoming in the printed magical conjurings of the past is the lack of emotion developed upon the reciting of them. An old wizard known to the author, who was once employing a self-composed invocation of great personal meaning in the light of his magical desires, ran out of words just as his ritual was moments short of a successful culmination. Aware of the necessity of keeping his emotional response generating, he quickly ad-libbed the first emotional provoking words that came to mind, a few stanzas of a poem by Rudyard Kipling. Thus, with this final burst of glory charged adrenaline, he was able to finalize on uh, an effective working. The invocations which follow are designed to serve as proclamations of certainty, not whining apprehension. For this reason, they are devoid of shallow offerings up and hollow charities. 
Leviathan, the great dragon of the watery abyss, roars forth as the surging sea, and these invocations are his tribunals. Invocation to Satan. In nomine de nostri satanus luciferi excelsil, in the name of Satan, the ruler of the earth, the king of the world, I command the forces of darkness to bestow their infernal power upon me. Open wide the gates of hell and come forth from the abyss to greet me as your brother, sister, and friend. Grant me the indulgences of which I speak. I have taken thy name as part of myself. I live as the beasts of the field, rejoicing in the fleshly life. I favor the just and curse the rotten. By all the gods of the pit, I command that these things of which I speak shall come to pass. Come forth and answer to your names by manifesting my desires. Oh, hear the names. The infernal names. Abaddon. Adramalek, Akpuch, Ariman, Ammon, Apollyon, Asmodeus, Astaroth, Azazel, Baal-Berith, Balaam, Baphomet, Bast, Beelzebub, Behemoth, Berit, Bilay, Chemish, Chimeres, Coyote, Dagon, Dambala, Demogorgon, Diabolus, Dracula, Emma O, Eronymus, Fenris, Gorgo, Haborim, Hecate, Ishtar, Kali, Lilith, Loki, Mammon, Mania, Mantis, Marduk, Mastema, Melektaus, Mephistopheles, Metzli, Mictian, Midgard, Milcom, Moloch, Mormo, Nama, Nergal, Nishsa. The infernal names are listed here in alphabetical order purely to simplify referral to them. When calling the names, all of them may be recited, or a given number of those most significant to the respective workings may be chosen. Whether all or some of the names are called, they must be taken out of the rigidly organized form in which they are listed here and arranged in a phonetically effective roster. Nija, Oyama, Pan, Pluto, Proserphine, Puka, Rimon, Sabozils, Samael, Samnu, Sedit, Sekhmet, Set, Shaitan, Shamad, Shiva, Supai, Tanmo, Tkort, Tezcatlipoca, Thamuz, Thoth, Tunrida, Typhon, Yautzin, Yenlo Wang. Talk about tongue-tied. What'd you guys think about the uh, invocation to Satan there? <laughs> Thought I'd put a little stank on it. Is that alright? Did it scream too much? Um, alright, what do we have here? An ex acted as a translator to a couple with ESP. She wanted to believe. I say it was bullshit. <laughs> Open them gates. 
<laughs> Lilith, yeah. We should have remembered it by now. Um, bath, my bath. Yes, bath. That's a lot of names. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. There's some in here I've never even considered simply because they just don't resonate with me. And there's some that are just go-tos. So I don't know. Is, is, is using go-to names too comfortable? And, and, and so it just becomes secondhand? Do you think that's a deterrent in some way? That you're not, again, present in the selection of relevant names. See, I'm a graphic designer by trade, so when I think of typography and font families, font families are created in different times for different reason. There are in there is intention behind each family created, um, and throughout time, it has evolved in many different ways for many different reasons. So when you're selecting a font for a particular project, taking into consideration the background of that font has a lot of resonance when it comes to fulfilling a true concept of whatever it is you're trying to create. In the same way, the constructing of a ritual for yourself, I just, I've never taken the same consideration into it. And have I done myself a disservice because of that? Have you guys done that? Do you take great consideration into the names you choose or do you just go with the names you like? Or is it just a phonetic thing? I don't know. What do you guys think? Let me know. I'm going to have one more sip and then we're going to continue. Mm, lust is up. <clears throat> Listen, people. Yeah, we've actually, uh, when I have uh, ritualized in groups, um, we have also added uh, Anton Xander LeVay, for sure. And I think it's totally appropriate. <laughs> I mean, come on. <clears throat> I would argue, and I'm gonna, I don't want to go off a rant here. I would argue that the doctor's name use sheerly due to the resonance and influence of counterculture throughout the world uh, during and after his time on this planet has been as potent, if not more, than some of the other names on this list. So to not use him, I think you're, you're missing an opportunity of, of potency. All right, sorry. I'm going <clears> to... <throat> Invocation employed towards the conjuration of lust. Come forth, O great spawn of the abyss, and make thy presence manifest. I have set my thoughts upon the blazing pinnacle which glows with the chosen lust of the moments of increase and grows fervent in the turgid swell. Send forth that messenger of voluptuous delights, and let these obscene vistas of my dark desires take form in future deeds and doings. From the sixth tower of Satan, thou shalt come a sign which joineth with those salts within, and as such will move the body of the flesh of my summoning. I have gathered forth my symbols and prepare my garnishings of the is to be, and the image of my creation lurketh as a seething basilisk awaiting his release. The vision shall become as reality as though the nourishment that my sacrifice giveth. The angles of the first dimension shall become the substance of the third. 
Go out into the void of night, light of day, and pierce that mind that respondeth with thoughts which leadeth to paths of lewd abandon. Male. My rod is a thrust. The penetrating force of my venom shall shatter the sanctity of that mind which is barren of lust. And as the seed falleth, so shall its vapors be spread within the reeling brain, benumbing it to helpless according to my will. In the name of the great god Pan, may my secret thoughts be marshaled into the movements of the flesh on that which I desire. Shemham Farash! Hail, Satan! Female, my loins are aflame, the dripping of my... Starting again. My loins are aflame, the dripping of the nectar from my eager cleft shall act as pollen to that slumbering brain, and the mind that feels not lust shall be on sudden reel with crazed impulse, and when my mighty surge is spent, new wanderings shall begin, and the flesh which I desire shall come to me. In the names of the great harlot of Babylon, and of Lilith, and of Hecate, may my lusts be fulfilled. Shemham Farash, hail Satan. I love this so much. Oh my gosh, it's so good. My rod is atheist. <laughs> is that what I said? I hope that's not what I said. Mm. Dude, I, I picked up a gong. And I am so into this gong. Uh, it's like one of those deep resounds. It's like two feet-ish. A little more than two feet. You know us guys. We add a couple inches to everything. It's like two and a half feet. It's like three full feet. <laughs> of gong but you hit dead center and it just like you can feel the air vibrate from it it's great it's great i love it lust i've never performed a lust ritual i've never felt the need to perform a lust ritual have you guys has anyone in the chat room ever done a lust ritual i'm curious i suspect i suspect that uh the lust ritual is probably the least used of all. Am I wrong? Am I off? Do I just, do I not get it? What do you guys think? No lust ritual there. It's all about atmosphere. <laughs> Spell check, you suck. No need. Oh, big diamond. Okay. <clears throat> we got one in chat. Good on you, man. Done a once, Dallas. Good on you. I dig it. All right. let someone else deal with that for review i don't understand emojis people i don't get what they mean so i need you to spell it out i'm, I'm old like that <laughs> more than once good on you i want i want to hear the reasons behind these at some point if you want to put them in there and then we'll pick them up after the fact i'm curious just pure curiosity <clears throat> all right let's do a little destruction <clears throat> Invocation employed towards the conjuration of destruction. Behold, 
The mighty voices of my vengeance smash the stillness of the air and stand as monolith of wrath upon a plain of writhing serpents. I am become as a monstrous machine of annihilation to the festering fragments of the body of he, she who would detain me. It repenteth me not that my summons doth ride upon the blasting winds which multiply the sting of my bitterness, and great black slimy shapes shall rise from brackish pits and vomit forth their pestilence upon his, her puny brain. I call upon the messengers of doom to slash with grim delight this victim I hath chosen. Silent is that voiceless bird that feeds upon the brain pulp of him, her, who hath tormented me, and the agony of the is-to-be shall sustain itself in shrieks of pain, only to serve as signals of warning to those who would resent my being. Oh, come forth in the name of Abaddon, and destroy him, her, whose name I giveth as a sign. O great brothers of the night, thou who makest my place of comfort, who rideth upon the hot winds of hell, who dwelleth in the devil's fane, move and appear! Present yourselves to him, her who sustaineth the rottenness of the mind that moves, the gibbering mouth that mocks the just and strong. Rend that gaggling tongue, and close his, her, throat. O Kali, pierce his, her lungs with the stings of scorpions, O Sekhmet. Plunge his, her substance into the dismal void, O mighty Dagon. I thrust aloft the bifid barb of hell, and on its tines resplendently impaled my sacrifice through vengeance rests. Shemham Farash, hail Satan! Holy fuck! <laughs> oh my god. That got me going. <clears throat> I'm sweating. God damn it. <laughs> what the fuck? Mm. That gets me going. I love this stuff. Uh, this is like the best. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining me on this. Like, this is great. This is so much fun. Whew. All right. God damn. <clears throat> Only one. Oh, where did that go? I want to read that. Only one destructive rich control, and I have a pair of her panties that I made all of her for my altar. Wow. All right. <laughs> did you do a panty raid for those panties? I feel like the panty raid is not something that happens anymore. Like, when I was growing up, there were movies where panty raids were like a thing. Like, it was, like, if you were in college... You went on panty raids. It was just like a, it was a known entity. It would happen, period. Never in my life, from my childhood experience of witnessing this through media, has it ever happened or has even been an option. Never have I sat around with guys and been like, panty raid? Not once. <laughs> Never. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, of, of course, the illegality of it, but I feel like it's always illegal, right? You just can't go take panties, whether it was in the seventies or sixties or now. Like you just couldn't do it. People maybe did it. I don't know. <laughs> no means no. Me too. Okay, yeah. No, good point. Still, I will always consider it a lost opportunity that never reared its head. Because it was like everywhere, right? Every movie was like, panty raid! And guys running through and women were like, ah! Or sometimes the panty raid was when the women were asleep. And so they just ran in, grabbed the drawers and got out. No harm, no foul. Running around with someone else's panties. Hmm. Right. Anyway, don't do it, people. You'll get in trouble. All right. Lost opportunity still. All right. Invocation employed towards the conjuration of compassion. <clears throat> Gosh, an hour and a half. Do I have enough time to get through all the Enochian keys? <clears throat> With the anger of anguish and the wrath of the stifled, I pour forth my voices wrapped in rolling thunder that you may hear. O oh, great lurkers in the darkness, O oh, guardians of the way. O minions of the might of Thoth, move and appear. Present yourselves to us in your benign power in behalf of one who believes and is stricken with torment. Isolate him in the bulwark of your protection, for he is undeserving of anguish and desires it not. Let that which bears against him be rendered powerless and devoid of substance. Succor him through fire and water, earth and air, to regain what he has lost. Strengthen with fire the marrow of our friend and companion, our comrade of the left-hand path. Through the power of Satan, let the earth and its pleasures re-enter his being. Allow his vital salts to flow unhampered, that he may savor the carnal nectars of his future desires. Strike dumb his adversary, formed or formless, that he may emerge joyful and strong from that which afflicts him. Allow no misfortune to allay his path, for he is of us, and therefore to be cherished. Restore him to power, to joy, to unending dominion over the reverses that have beset him. Build around and within him the exultant radiance that will herald his emergence from the stagnant morass which engulfs him. This we command in the name of Satan, whose mercies flourish and whose sustenance will prevail. As Satan reigns, so shall his own whose name is as this sound. Name is the vessel whose flesh is as the earth. Life everlasting, world without end. Shemham Farash, hail Satan. I can hear my wife watching this in the other room, and it's very distracting, because I'm hearing myself yell as I'm yelling. Honey, can you turn that down, please? <laughs> Honestly. Weird, right? I feel like compassion, yeah. Uh, Lauren, I'm with you. Compassion is the, thank you, Dio, uh, the most uh, used ritual of mine. 100%. E almost every single time. 
I don't, I've done a destruction once, never done a ritual. I've never really done a ceremony, um, not formal anyway. And then, uh, yeah, it's all been compassion after that. I mean, we usually do like, if it's a group situation, an amalgamation ritual of, you know, for each person, if they want to do a little bit of each, we'll do something like that. Never done a, yeah, almost always. All right. Way more celebration ceremonies than rituals. Yeah. Interesting. This was something that I saw a comment in uh, when I was going through the, um, what was it? Give me one second while I look it up. I can't remember. I don't know why I can't remember it. The Black Mass. That's what it is. Uh, I saw a comment uh, after the fact. I think it was in, I think it was in the chat, but I just didn't see it when we were recording where they're like, um, the Black Mass, why would anyone do that? You know, um, it doesn't fit with lust, destruction, or compassion. And people need to realize, because we've already gone over this, if you've ever read this, and I've talked about it in one of my myriad of shows, there's celebrations that are greater rituals as well. Uh, celebrations are different than the traditional satanic greater magic ritual. Um, they're meant to an end, of course, but, like, uh, it's not the same. Like, you don't... You, like, the, the whole satanic rituals... I think it's almost entirely, if not entirely, filled with celebrations, not formal rituals. And understanding that difference should help you to understand the role of something like the Satanic Mass if it's something that you would ever even consider doing as a celebration. Um, all right. Uh, I performed all three types of rituals, but my favorite format is one of the Magister Nemo has on his MP3. You can customize the ritual as you need. Oh, interesting. All right. CN Doll. Thanks for your, uh, your thoughts there. Okay. <laughs> I think my wife turned it down because I'm not here anymore. <laughs> yeah, Dallas, I remember satanic baptism too. Here we are, the Enochian keys. I'm going to stop after each one just to give myself a, a second of, you know, recollecting my thoughts. There is a satanic baptism, peanut butter toast. And I love your name, by the way. <clears throat> oh god damn it every time i forget <clears throat> the enochian language and the enochian keys the magical language used in satanic ritual is enochian a language thought to be older than sanskrit with a sound grammatical and syntactical basis it resembles Arabic in some sounds, and Hebrew and Latin in others. It first appeared in print in 1959 in a biography of John Dee, the famous 16th century seer and court astrologer. This work by Merrick Casabon describes the occultist's Dee's activities with his associate, Edward Kelly, in the art of scrying or crystal gazing. Instead of the usual crystal ball, Kelly, who was the gazer, used a many-faceted Trapezohedron, the angels, or angles, referred to in Kelly's first revelation of the Enochian keys, obtained through the windows of the crystal, are only angles because occultists to this day have lain ill with metaphysical constipation. Now the crystal clears and the angels are seen as angles and the windows of the fourth dimension are thrown open and to the frightened the gates of hell 
I've presented my translation of the following calls with an archaic but satanically correct unvarnishing of the translation employed by the Order of the Golden Dawn in the late 19th century. In Enochian, the meaning of the words, combined with the quality of the words, unite to create a pattern of sound which can cause tremendous reaction to the atmosphere. The barbaric tonal qualities of this language give it a truly magical effect which cannot be described. For many years, the Enochian keys, or calls, have been shrouded in secrecy. The few printings that have existed completely eliminate the correct wording, as the proper translation has been disguised through the use of euphemisms and only designed to throw the inept magician and or would-be inquisitor off the track. Apocryphal as they may, as they have become, and who can tell what grim reality provokes the fantasy, the Enochian calls are the satanic paeans of faith dispensing with such once pragmatic whitewashing in terms such as holy and angelic and arbitrarily chosen groups of numbers, the purpose of which were only to act as substitutes for blasphemous words, here, then, are the true Enochian calls, as received from an unknown hand. The unexpurgated version, translated by Anton LaVey. The first key. The first Enochian key represents an initial proclamation from Satan, stating the inception of the laws of temporal theologies and of the lasting power which resides in those bold enough to recognize earthly beginnings and absolutes. The first key. Enochian. O Sonoth, Verosagi, Goanuyad, Belata. Elanusaha, Kelozad, Sobrazod, Ol, Rore, Aita, Nozadopesed, Gira, Ta, Mel, Pereji, Das, Huelgo, Ka, Notahoa, Zodimerzod, Od, Komeme, Ta, Nobeloha, Zodian, Sobatahil, Ginanupe, Perahe aladi, das verobes obolehi giresam. Caresema, ohorela, kaba pere, das zodano reneusegi, kab, eram idanahe. Pelahe, ferazodem, zodeno rezoda. Adana, gono, idapiel, das homo taho. Soba, ipame lu ipamis, das sobolo vepe, zodomeda, poemal, od berugai, aita, piape, piamoel od voan, zodakre, eke, od zodamaranu, odo kikale ka, zodarahe, lape zoderedo, noko mada, huathehe, Satan! The first key, English. I reign over thee, said the Lord of the earth, in power exalted above and below, in whose hand the sun is a glittering sword, and the moon a through-thrusting fire, who measureth your garments in the midst of my vestures, and trusseth you up as the psalms of my hands, and brightened your vestments with infernal light. I made ye a law 
to govern the holy ones, and delivered a rod with wisdom supreme. You lifted your voices and swore your allegiance to him that liveth triumphant, whose beginning is not, nor end cannot be, which shineth as a flame in the midst of your palaces, and reigneth amongst you as the balance of life. Move, therefore, and appear! Open the mysteries of your creation! Be friendly unto me, for I am the same, the true worshipper of the highest and ineffable King of Hell! So good. So good. Oh, nice. I, I just stumbled across this after the Stanic Bible. I think the Stanic War Witch or Warlock is the most full of LeVay's personal attitudes, ideas, and humor. Well, he wrote Witch, so I'm assuming that's the one. Um, S-L-O-A-S. Filled in all the blanks I needed. Pop culture references I did not understand when reading the Stanic Bible. S-L-O-A-S. Come on, guys, don't use acronyms. Yeah, Witch, of course. S-L-O-E-S. Alright, you guys gotta help me out. Spicy like the last dab. <laughs> the second key. In order to pay homage to the very lusts which sustain the continuance of life itself, the second Enochian key extends this recognition of our earthly heritage in, unto a talisman of power. Oh, Secret Life of Satanist. Okay, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Such a good book. Oh, man. And the, the, the like expanded edition, if you guys haven't read it, you're missing out. It's great. <clears throat> Second key, Enochian. Adakita, vau pa ahe, zoda nu gonu, ipe salida, via ia vau el, sobam ial pereji. Izoda, Zodazod, Piapedehe, Kasemrema, Aberameja, Ta Talebo, Perakalada, Kuta, Lores Elko, Turebesa, Uga Balatoe, Giui, Kahisa, Luasoda, Oreri, Od Mikalapape, Kahisa, Bia, Azodo no Gunuru, Lape noanu terofe, carose tage oku maniunu, ia idon, torezodu, kohel, zodaka reka, kano koda, zodameranu, mikalozodo, od uda zodomai, varu relar, lape zodirioad. The second key, English. Can the wings of the winds hear your voice of wonder? O oh, you, the great spawn of the worms of the earth, whom the hellfire frames in the depth of my jaws, whom I have prepared as cups for a wedding, or as flowers regaling the chambers of lust! Stronger are your feet than the barren stone, mightier are your voices than the manifold winds, for you are become as a building such as is not, save in the mind of the all-powerful manifestation of Satan. Arise, saith the first, move therefore unto his servants, show yourselves in power, and make 
me a strong seer of things, for I am of him that liveth forever. I'm straight up spitting all over my satanic Bible. <laughs> this kills me. Thanks, Lanny. Uh, I need a copy of this reading of the Enochian Keats for a ringtone. <laughs> Hey, you know what would be fun? If you guys could grab your Satanic Bible and read the actual Enochian pronunciations along with me and see how different we would pronounce them, right? Because I feel like everyone's going to do it a little bit different. <clears throat> All right. I don't have a lot of time left. we got to get through a lot of these, so I'm not going to stop after each one. <clears throat> Buy another copy. What are you doing? Come on now. The third key. The third Enochian key establishes the leadership of the earth upon the hands of those great satanic magicians who throughout the successive ages have held dominion over the peoples of the world. The third Enochian key. Enochian. Mikame, goho pier yad, zodir kom selahe ezodien biabe oslondoe. Nor ezo de kahisa o tahile gigapehi vonaud el kahisa tu pumime komos pelahi telokahe qui ihinu tol torei kahisi i kahisaji em ozodien desata beragida o torezodul idi elod. Balezo deraje, od ala, tahilonu os netabe, deluga vomereseji, elonosa, kape mi ali, veroesa, kala, homila, kosabe, fafenu, izodizodope, od mianogi, de ginatabe, Vuano na nail Panupire mala parigi Coasagi Pilabda Noanu Vuanolae Belada Od Voan Do Ipai Mada Goholore Gohos Amirano Mikami Yehua Sozod Kakom Od Dodoaniu Norai Mi koalazoda ayom kasaramaji gohir zodakar vonaru guiliajid od imauna mar pogu pilarpi anel koan. The third key, English. Behold, saith Satan, I am a circle on whose hands stand the twelve kingdoms. Six are the seats of living breath. The rest are as sharp sickles for the horns of death. Therein the creatures of earth are and are not, except in mine own hands which sleep and shall rise. In the first I made ye stewards and place ye in the twelve seats of government, giving unto every one of you power successively over the nine true ages of time so that from the highest vessels and the corners of your governments you might work my power, pouring down the fires of life and increase continually on the earth, 
Thus you are become the skirts of justice and truth. In Satan's name, rise up! Show yourselves! Behold! His mercies flourish, and his name is become mighty among us, in whom we say, Move! Ascend! And apply yourselves unto us as the partakers of his secret wisdom in your creation. I think from here on out, I'm just going to do the English versions. I mean, right? Why not? You guys can do your own Enochian. <clears throat> the fourth key. The fourth Enochian key refers to the cycling of the ages of time. The fourth key. English. I have set my feet in the south and have looked about me, saying, Are not the thunders of increase those which reign in the second angle? Under whom I have placed these whom none hath yet numbered but one, in whom the second beginnings of things are and wax strong, successively adding the numbers of time, and their powers doth stand as the first of the nine. Arise! You sons of pleasure, and visit the earth, for I am the Lord your God, which is and liveth forever. In the name of Satan, move, and show yourselves as pleasant deliverers, that you may praise him among the sons of men. <laughs> Klingon. I always thought it was a little like um, Nate, like indigenous peoples, Native Americans or something, but uh, I could totally see that. Uh, perhaps make reading of Enochian keys available as downloads for personal use. No, dude. <laughs> Sorry. I appreciate uh, the request, <clears throat> but this is rough. <laughs> the fifth key. The fifth Enochian key affirms the satanic placing of traditional priests and wizards upon the earth for the purpose of misdirection. <clears throat> the fifth key, English. The mighty sounds have entered into the third angle and are becoming as seedlings of folly, smiling with contempt upon the earth and dwelling in the brightness of the heaven as continual comforters to the destroyers of self. Unto whom I fastened the pillars of gladness, the lords of the righteous, and gave them vessels to water the earth with his creatures. They are the brothers of the first and the second, and the beginning of their own seats, which are garnished with myriads, ever-burning lamps, whose numbers are as the first, the ends, and the contents of time. Therefore, come ye and obey your creation. Visit us in peace and comfort. Conclude us receivers of your mysteries. For why? Our Lord and Master is the All One. The sixth key. The sixth Enochian key establishes the structure and form of that which has become the order of the trapezoid and the Church of Satan. I'm reading this one. The sixth key, Enochian. Gahe Sadiv Kahisaem Mikalazoda Pilzoduyanu Sodam El Haraji Mir Babalanu Od Obolase Sam Valeja Dalegare Male Perehi Ar Koesoaji Od Akame Kanele 
Subalo Zodare, Fa Beliarade, Koesaji Od Kahisi Anetena, Miame Te Vid Oda. Daresare Sod Petehabiano, Berita Od Kodakame, Jimi Kalezodo, Sobha Atahe, Tirainu, Luiahi. Od Ekarinu Mada Koason. The sixth key, English. The spirits of the fourth angle are nine, mighty in the trapezoid, whom the first hath formed a torment to the wretched, and a garland to the wicked, giving unto them fiery darts to vein the earth, and nine continual workmen whose courses visit with comfort the earth, and are in government and continuous, continuance, as the second and third. Therefore hearken unto my voice. I have talked of you, and I move you in power and presence, whose works shall be a song in honor and the praise of your God in your creation. The seventh key. The seventh Enochian key is used to invoke lust, pay homage to glamour, and rejoice in the delights of the flesh. The seventh key, English. The east is the house of harlots singing praises among the flames of the first glory, wherein the dark Lord hath opened his mouth, and they are becoming his living dwellings in whom the strength of man rejoiceth. And they are apparelled with ornaments of brightness, such as work wonders on all creatures, whose kingdoms and continuance are as the third and fourth, strong towers and places of comfort, the seats of pleasure and continuance. O ye servants of pleasure, move, appear, sing praises unto the earth, and be mighty amongst us. For, to, for that to this remembrance is given power, and our strength waxeth strong in our comforter. The eighth key. The eighth Enochian key refers to the emergence of the satanic age. The eighth key, English. The midday of the first is as the third indulgence made of hyacinth and pillars, in whom the elders are become strong, which I have prepared for mine own justice, saith Satan, whose long continuance shall be as bucklers to Leviathan. How many are there which remain in the glory of the earth, which are, and shall not see death until the house falls, and the dragon doth sink? Rejoice! For the crowns of the temple, and the robe of him that is, was, and shall be, crowned are no longer divided. Come forth, appear, to the terror of the earth, and to the comfort of such as are prepared. The ninth key. The ninth Enochian key warns of the use of substances, devices, or pharmaceuticals which might lead to the delusion and subsequent enslavement of the master, a protection against false values. The ninth key, English. A mighty guard of fire with two edged swords flaming, which contain the vials of delusion whose wings are of wormwood and of the marrow of salt have set their feet in the west, and are measured with their ministers. 
These gathered up the moss of the earth as the rich man doth his treasure. Cursed are those... Cursed are they whose iniquities they are. In their eyes are millstones greater than the earth, and from their mouths run seas of blood. Their brains are covered with diamonds, and upon their heads are marble stones. Happy is he on whom they frown not, for why? The Lord of righteousness rejoices in them. Come away and leave your vitals, for the time is such as requireth comfort. The Tenth Key the Tenth Enochian Key creates rampart wrath and produces violence, dangerous to employ unless one has learnt to safeguard his own immunity. A random lightning bolt. It is storming. <clears throat> the Tenth Key, English. The thunders of wrath just slumber in the north. In the likeness of an oak, whose branches are dung-filled nests of lamentation and weeping laid up for the earth, which burn night and day, and vomit out the heads of scorpions, and live sulfur mingling with poison. These be the thunders that in an instant roar with a hundred mighty earthquakes, and the thousand as many surges which rest not, nor know any time here. One rock bringeth forth a thousand, even as the heart of man doth his thoughts. Woe, woe ye, woe be to the earth, for her iniquity is, was, and shall be great. Come away, but not your mighty sounds. The eleventh key. The eleventh Enochian key is used to herald the coming of the dead and establish a sustenance beyond the grave, to bind to the earth a funerary call. The eleventh key, English. The mighty throne growled, and there were five thunders that flew into the east. And the eagle spake and cried aloud, Come away from the house of death! And they gathered themselves together and became those of whom it measured. And they are the deathless ones who ride the whirlwinds. Come away, for I have prepared a place for you. Move therefore and show yourselves. Unveil the mysteries of your creation. Be friendly unto me, for I am your God, the true worshipper of the flesh that liveth forever. The twelfth. The twelfth Enochian key is used to vent one's displeasure towards man's need for misery and to bring forth torment and conflict to the harbingers of woe. The twelfth key, English. O ye that range in the south and are the lanterns of sorrow, buckle your armor and visit us! Bring forth the legions of the army of hell! that the Lord of the Abyss may be magnified, whose names amongst ye is Wrath. Move, therefore, and appear. Open the mysteries of your creation. Be friendly unto me, for I am the same, the true worshipper of the highest and ineffable King of Hell. Sorry, I like it. The 13th key. 
The 13th Enochian key is used to make the sterile lustful and vex those who would deny the pleasures of sex. The 13th key, English. O ye swords of the south, which have eyes to stir upon the wrath of sin, making men drunk, which are empty, behold the promise of Satan and his power, which is called amongst ye a bitter sting. Move and appear, unveil the mysteries of your creation, for I am the servant of the same your God, the true worshipper of the highest and ineffable King of hell. The fourteenth key. The fourteenth Enochian key is a call for vengeance and the manifestation of justice. The fourteenth key. English. O ye sons and daughters of mildewed minds that sit in judgment of the iniquities wrought upon me, behold, the voice of Satan, the promise of him who is called amongst ye the accuser and supreme tribune. Move therefore and appear. Open the mysteries of your creation. Be friendly unto me, for I am the same, the true worshipper of the highest and ineffable king of hell. The 15th key. The 15th Enochian key is a resolution of acceptance and understanding of the masters whose duty lies in administering to the seekers after spiritual gods. The 15th key, English. O thou, the governor of the first flame, under whose wings are the spinners of cobwebs that weave the earth with dryness, that knowest the great name righteousness and the seal of false honor. Move, therefore, and appear. Open the mysteries of your creation. Be friendly unto me, for I am the same, the true worshiper of the highest and ineffable king of hell. The sixteenth key. The sixteenth Enochian key gives recognition of the wondrous contrasts of the earth and of the sustenance of these dichotomies. The sixteenth key, English. O thou second flame, the house of justice, which hast thy beginnings in glory, and shalt comfort the just, which waketh, which walketh upon the earth with feet of fire, which understands and separates creatures. Great art thou in the God of stretch forth and conquer. Move therefore and appear. Open the mysteries of your creation. Be friendly unto me, for I am the same, the true worshipper of the highest and ineffable king of hell. The seventeenth key. The seventeenth Enochian key is used to enlighten the benumbered, the benumbled, the benumbed, and destroy through revelation. The seventeenth key, English. O thou third flame, whose wings are thorns to stir up vexation, and who hast myriad living lamps going before thee, whose god is wrath in anger, gird up thy loins and hearken. Move therefore and appear. 
Open the mysteries of your creation. Be friendly unto me, for I am the same, the true worshipper of the highest and ineffable king of hell. The 18th key. <clears throat> the 18th Enochian key opens the gates of hell and casts up Lucifer and his blessing. I gotta put some fucking spunk on this one. <clears throat> the 18th key. English. O oh, thou mighty light and burning flame of comfort, that unveilest the glory of Satan to the center of the earth, in whom the great secrets of truth have their abiding, that is called in thy kingdom strength through joy, and is not to be measured. Be thou a window of comfort unto me. Move therefore and appear. Open the mysteries of your creation. Be friendly unto me, for I am the same, the true worshipper of the highest and ineffable king of hell. The 19th key. The 19th Enochian key is the great sustainer of the natural balance of the earth, the law of thrift and of the jungle. It lays bare all hypocrisy and the sanctimonious shall become his slaves under it. It brings forth the greatest outpouring of wrath upon the miserable and lays the foundation of success for the lover of life. <clears throat> The nineteenth key, English. O oh, ye pleasures which dwell in the first air, ye are mighty in the parts of the earth, and execute the judgment of the mighty. Unto you it is said, Behold the face of Satan, the beginning of comfort, whose eyes are the brightness of the stars, which provided you for the government of the earth and her unspeakable variety, furnishing you a power of understanding to dispose all things according to the providence of him that sitteth on the infernal throne, and rose up in the beginning, saying, The earth, let her be governed by her parts, and let there be division in her. The glory of her may be always drunken and vexed in itself. Her course let it run with the fulfillment of lust, and as an handmaiden, let her serve them one season. Let it confound another, and let there be no creature upon or within her the same. All her numbers, let them differ in their qualities, and let there be no one creature equal with another. The reasonable creatures of the earth and men, let them vex and weed out one another. And their dwelling places, let them forget their names. The work of man and his pomp, let them be defaced. His buildings, let them become caves for the beasts of the field. Confound her understandings with darkness. For why? It repenteth me that I have made man. One while let her be known, and another while a stranger. Because she is the bed of a harlot, and the dwelling place of Lucifer, the king. Open wide the gates of hell! The lower heavens beneath you, let them serve you! Govern those who govern! Cast down such as fall, bring forth those that increase, and destroy the rotten! No place 
Let it remain in one number. Add and diminish until the stars be numbered. Arise, move, and appear before the covenant of his mouth, which he hath sworn unto his in his justice. Open the mysteries of your creation and make us partakers of the undefiled wisdom. Yankee Rose. Thank you guys. Thank you for tuning in to these three parts. Thank you for sitting with me as I spit all over the camera. Uh, thank you for your attention and your time. I genuinely appreciate it. Uh, I, um, I was gonna say, uh, I love this book. Uh, and I do, but it's like, um, as it is with all of you, it's a piece of me. I can't help but get excited when I read certain parts of it. Shout out! Use my, my diaphragm to call the brilliance that was put down in, the, in this volume. It's, it's um... 50 years, 50 years of undefiled wisdom. This book terrifies people. This book is seen as a gateway to hell. And you know what? It is. It fucking is. This book can help you become the best version of yourself. It can show you that there's nothing inherently wrong with what you think and how you feel, but it encourages you to delve deep inside to discover whether what you are thinking and feeling is really true to you. And if it is, to double down on it. And if it's not, to find your own purpose in life, to find your own direction, rather than be dogma that tells you you need to be a certain way, it encourages you to be your own way. There's nothing else like it. At all. And it's amazing. And it should be appreciated for what it is. And you should never listen to this video or the previous two of me reading this volume without having read it yourself or picking up a copy if you don't own it already and reading it yourself over and over again, because I promise you, I discovered things in here, and I've read it a handful of times in these three uh, videos that I had forgotten. And you're going to find new meaning in some of the essays, in some of the chapters, in some of the sections, in the understanding of greater and lesser magic, the 13th time of reading it than you found in the first. And that's the brilliance of this. And that's why it persists for so long, and why it is such an integral part of our collective experience as individual Satanists, if that made any sense. Never went out of print for 50 years. Come on. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. So please, people. I mean, if you listen to this just for fun, that's great. 
But please listen to this as an opportunity, an opportunity of understanding. When you read something in your own mind, sometimes you sort of get in a pattern and you glimmer over or you just sort of pass by parts. At least that's what I do. When you read it out loud, you find yourself hanging on certain words, certain phrases, certain sentences. When you hear it read out loud, you can pick up pieces that you never really thought of before. And I'm hoping that in this little exercise, maybe that's happened for you. Mm. Keep an eye on the Church of Satan website, churchofsatan.com. Lilith says, article coming up on the website on the writing of it. I can't wait. For those of you able to get down to Florida in December, celebrate with those that are. And uh, I can't wait to read that article on the website. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I laugh because I sometimes I put articles up there and so I get to read them before they're public. It's kind of big. My little special knowing something before everyone else. It's magic. I like it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for uh, your time and attention. I hope you guys sit down and read this book on your own. It took me six hours with talking and uh, chit-chatting. And that was reading it out loud. If you read it to yourself, it's going to be a lot faster than six hours. It doesn't take a long time. But the more you read it, the more you're going to understand. And it's fucking great. It's great. I don't know what we're going to do next with this channel. I don't know where it's going to go, but I hope you're open to go with me down the path to wherever it may lead. It's going to be dark and it's going to be mysterious and it'll end with the gates of hell as it always has. Hail Satan, everyone. <laughs>